Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast for the marketing minds at Do You Convert, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you. We're here to help you and try to elevate the conversation. I'm Andrew Peak, And with me today, we have Becca. Hey, welcome to episode 35, recorded live on October 16th. We're doing the intro without Kevin. So this is totally foreign. You know, we're on episode 35. So there's been 34 before this without Kevin. That's the first time I've ever read the intro. I hope I did a good job. So you got your power back. You had uh, some slight impact from Hurricane Michael. Yes. Days? Was it um, one day or two days? I lost power at like 3.30 on Thursday. Maybe it was 3 o'clock. I'm not quite sure. But we didn't. We got it back on Friday night about 9.30. Not fun times. I remember with Hurricane Irma last year, we were like seven days without power. Um, not not good. And they still don't have power down in Mexico Beach and the Panhandle and whatnot. So. so my quick little story, I am being a remodeling contractor this weekend. You can believe that. <laughs> sounds because, fun. Yeah, sounds fun. So it took me like a year and a half to finish the bathroom remodel at our home that we just sold. So I don't know how this happened, but I'm going up to North Carolina. Buddy of mine, they just bought a new house up there. Not a new house, an existing used home. And they Ooh. have their, their powder room, which is what y'all people in the South call a half bath. Yeah. So it's the powder room. Yeah. It needs to be redone. So it's an excuse to go up there as well. So I'll be uh, on this episode of This Old House up that up that way so Ooh. i don't know i'm getting put my, my boots on and, and pretending like i know what i'm talking about with with homes it will be interesting awesome sure yeah sounds fun yeah there's the time limit of it got it has to be for the most part done this weekend there's no next weekend the weekend after that oh we didn't finish in time uh my bad i'll be done that never happens <laughs> never happens so we'll see no plumbing changes so it's just you know surface stuff so all right let's jump into the news and the first one up is, hey, Google, you're not trying to replace me, are you? Um, Becca, did you see the, I forgot when it was, it was like about two months ago, Google Duplex, the AI tool where they did the live demonstration of getting the hair appointment? Yes, I did see that. Yeah, it's super cool. So this is just following up on all these really cool things um, that that are happening with Google. So there's Google Duplex, which yeah. will certainly change, imagine, and with all this ties into the new Pixel 3 coming out, uh, mm. which was like, I don't I think it was this week's this week. I think yesterday day before I just got the new iPhone XS because I had an iPhone seven somehow I was up for an upgrade for a while. So I got that one. And now I'm like, oh, geez, I should have got the pixel because the pixel, mm. they're rolling out all these cool tools to only the pixel three. Mm -hmm. So duplex. And the next one is call screen. So if you get a if you get a call from a number you don't know, you could tell your Google pixel three to use call screen. And it's like a virtual <laughs> gatekeeper. It's like, hello, this is I forgot what the intro is, but hello, this is blah, blah, blah. I'm answering the call on behalf of Andrew. Who are you and why are you calling? And so that would be awesome because I am known to not answer the phone if I don't know the phone number. None of us do. Sorry, I know. <laughs> so imagine if you're an OSC and you're calling to make an appointment or follow up and you keep getting ditched to the call screen from your prospects. Oh. Yeah. But it might Ooh. help with it because what happens, it, it answers the phone, does the virtual gatekeeping or receptionist, whatever you want to call it. And then it yeah. sends a message to that person while you are on the phone attempting to contact that person. Yeah, doesn't it ask you for like your phone number and why you're, or who you are and why you're calling? Yeah. And why you're calling. So it's almost like it's forcing that voicemail to happen live instead of like, hey, this is Andrew with Happy Acres. I'm here to follow up on the inquiry, da 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 da, da. Whatever it is, obviously I'm not a salesperson. And the, the, they're more likely to see the message or they will see the message versus like, oh, I have 50 voicemails in my, my mailbox that I never yeah. listened to. Too. So I, no, no, I think this is actually a positive for those who have a legitimate reason to call someone. Yes, I, right I agree. There. And it's like a text message yeah. going. So it's, I don't know, it's even better. I think the connection rates will be, will be, yeah. will be much better. I like it because, you know, if you, you're looking for a house, you're basically going to want to pick up that phone when you know who it is. And this next one, have you seen the ads for Portal by Facebook or the Facebook Portal? Yes, I have. I think it's kind of a neat camera only because it stands up. Definitely. So this is, um, it's like the Amazon 
show. So it's like a video. It's it's essentially FaceTime, except a standalone device that you and other people can have, and you can make video calls. Um, if you're familiar with the Amazon show, I, I think it's kind of clunky looking and old school and not 2018. And the portable mm -hmm. Facebook looks just like a tablet. Um, very cool screen. Creepy, but also a cool feature it has is if you have it set up, it can track you around in, in a room up to 140 degrees, which is you know, almost Ooh. the entire room. So if you, you can walk with, and say in your kitchen back and forth doing whatever you're doing, you're cooking dinner, you can make a phone call and you could still go about your day or whatever you are doing at the time while this is following you around, which is cool, but it's also creepy and doesn't help with Facebook's uh, reputation this year with all their privacy. Yeah. Yeah, they're getting they're getting beat up by the media. Like it is not good. Um, yeah. So this on Twitter and like wherever it's been advertised, like a lot of negative comments, but that did not keep Kevin from already ordering one. So I think I need to get on the list too. The screen is huge. Um, how big I mean, that's helpful if you're cooking and you want to talk to somebody. Yeah. Look at my food I'm cooking. Isn't it delicious? <laughs> I think they have the largest <laughs> one they have. And the price really isn't that crazy. It's all pre-order pricing. So they are pre-sailing without fail. Um, nice. Yeah. 349 for the biggest one, which they're calling the Portal Plus and has a 15 and a half inch screen. Um, and it could be portrait or landscape. The smaller one is $199 and it is a 10 inch screen. Um, so not much more for the for the big for the big boy. So home builder applications, I could definitely see this in um, models. Yeah, like uh, for your out of town relo relocation buyers. Yeah, yeah, that would be awesome, especially with the screen size would be really big and it could track around the room. So if you had this, let's say someone was, yeah, relo out of town and you had a person doing a quote virtual tour with them, they could set it on the kitchen counter and walk around the kitchen and it would automatically track that person in the kitchen. So they could show off this feature, this feature, this feature, take it to the next room, this feature, this feature, this feature, really let that person get a feel for the room um, much easier Great. than like trying to go back and forth FaceTime with the rear facing camera, then turn it around like, oh, they're talking to me. I need to look at them, turn around to the self facing and back and forth, back and forth, which, which can be kind of weird and up looking at someone's yeah. chin while they're FaceTiming. Somebody gets, yeah, and then you get dizzy. <laughs> That's true. It's like, why is your hand moving? This is this is crazy. <laughs> um, and our next one we have is finally Adobe Photoshop is coming to iPads and mobile iOS devices. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yay! I, yeah, exactly. I cannot stand like any of the mobile image editing apps or creating apps like Canva. I think there's like Uber is another one. I don't even bother with them. I just um, take my pictures on my phone when I get home. It's already in there because everything is Apple and I can just open up Photoshop and drop my picture in, do whatever I want to do, mm -hmm. save it, and then it goes back to my phone and I can send it wherever I want to. Yes, and I'm for sure. And so I've used like um, Canva, I think is one of the more popular ones to use like on yeah. mobile. The, for their problem, like the desktop version of Canva is actually pretty cool. The mobile version yeah. of it is not cool. Like you could do things super quick Ooh. on desktop. You go on mobile and you're like, I want to do a collage. Um, so like... <laughs> like a Facebook ad. You want know, five pictures in you know, horizontal, vertical, maybe like a super wide horizontal one. Um, yeah. Desktop, really easy to make. Mobile, it is not easy. So I'm a little nervous. If they don't make this as good as Photoshop that you're we're used to on desktop, I will have some disappointment. But it shouldn't be, but we'll, we'll kind of find out. Surely they've had six years to make it better. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. they've been planning and trying to do this since 2012. So Adobe usually puts out a pretty good product. Product, so I'm not too worried about it. It's been a long time coming. It'll be interesting yeah. to see if they do use any um, influencer marketing with this. Not that we Ooh. do much of that in the uh, builder space, but as far as if you think about Instagram, everyone is using an image editing app for the most part that's that's popular out there or that has a significant amount of followers. But getting yeah. them on board to use the the standard as far as professionals using Photoshop, it'd be interesting to see if they see if they do that. Yeah, and I, I want to see how they do all the shortcuts. Yes. How do you? have yeah because i function on the keyboard shortcuts on in photoshop and memorize that all, all of them do not have a keyboard yeah. on mobile we'll see we will see uh, maybe i'll be getting a keyboard for my ipad oh geez oh my <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for this week on the news next up with our 360 topic
Welcome back. We're here with Sean Van Dyke to talk about this week's 360 topic, which we are calling help. I'm not interesting. <laughs> we, <laughs> Great Sean topic, Van, guys. Yeah. Well, and you're the right guy to be here to help us work through this. Uh, Sean Van Dyke is a consultant and speaker focused exclusively on construction businesses only. He's fantastic at what he does. I've been uh, creeping on him for the last, uh, we met at PCBC this last year. So Yeah. Wow. Time flies. And could not be more impressed by how you approach uh, content marketing, both yourself and the topics uh, that you discuss. So thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. This is uh, this is great to be here, guys. Thank you. I have to ask first, because the Dick Van Dyke show is still my all time favorite sitcom. Uh, (laughs) Are you related at all? to You know, growing up, I used to get that question all the time. And somewhere back, you know, when I was growing up, I thought my dad said that we were like he was like a cousin to my grandfather or something like that. But then just a Mm -hmm. few years ago, my dad got on one of those genealogy websites and traced our whole history back. And so, you know, I'd been telling people for years, yeah, I mean, we're related back in there somehow. And then he proved that it wasn't, that, that we weren't oh, related. Man. So I've been lying for, you know, for <laughs> years. So I feel horrible. So Disappointing. No, technically, no, I'm not, um, I'm not related. But these days, not many people know who Dick Van Dyke is. So that's true. They would probably, I would say, forget genealogy testing. We just need to see how you trip over an ottoman and that will tell me everything i need to know exactly i am uh uh, I've got a few dance routines worked out with a, you know, a chimney sweep, you know, if anybody remembers the old Mary Poppins stuff, but, uh, no, Absolutely. no relation, no relation. Absolutely. So again, this week's 360 topic is just all around the biggest excuse that we hear around content marketing, which is, you know, our company homes communities just aren't that interesting. And frankly, we don't believe you. So Sean's here to help us bust this myth wide open. We think That's there's, right. that might be part of it, but, uh, we're going to, we're going to break through them all, but let's start with, uh, focusing on Sean, your, your origin story. We use a lot of superhero analogies here. So your quick origin story of how did you come to be a consultant uh, focused on what you do now? Yeah. Um, superhero story. That's kind of interesting. Um, uh, well, my I started my career, gosh, 20 some years ago. I graduated from University of Tennessee in 1997. So that's a long time ago. Um, wow. But I got, a, I got a couple of degrees in engineering in uh, civil and structural engineering. And that's kind of where my career started out at being an engineer. And then after a few years of doing that, I realized I don't really know how to build anything. Um, I, I know how to design some stuff and read plans and and uh, and design a structure, but I don't really know how to build anything. So I got a got a job in the project management for a large commercial contractor, and that got me out on site. And that's where I really started to fall in love with the trades um, in construction because I saw these guys working that you know didn't have any college experience, um, mm-hmm. didn't have any formal education, but I had no idea how they did what they did. Like I could read a set of plans, but I realized there's a lot more than just to, to construction than being able to read a set of plans. It's being able to, to coordinate the thing and, and getting it laid out and then coordinating a team of people to actually build the thing. So I was just fascinated by it, do that. But at that time, uh, been newly married, couple of kids. I have five kids now. So um, congratulations. Kids, yeah. Well, more congratulations to my wife. She did all the hard work. I get um, to re- react to you the same way people react to me when I have four, because five to me seems unfathomable. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. I don't <laughs> recommend it to anybody out there. Stop at four. Um, and that was our plan. Maybe we, three. Yeah, three. Yeah. I think three is good. I have three. Yeah. Three. three Both is y'all good. are crazy. Yeah. Three is good. Four is crazy. And at five, you start losing friends uh-huh. um, because they say, hey, you know, we should have the Van Dykes over for dinner. Wait a minute. How many kids at, a, they at have? a park where they can all yeah, play outside think, and we can yeah. eat pizza? It's like, I don't think we have enough chairs. Let's let's invite the Smith, you know, um, so yep. you start losing friends at, at five. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, so I was a construction manager for a real estate company, a real estate development firm and a uh, couple of kids and on the road three or four days a week. And my wife was like, this ain't going to work. You're going you're gonna to have to do something else. And I was like, babe, I don't know how to do anything else. Um, so a little bit of uh, motivation, let's say, from my wife. And I started my own real estate development firm, construction management firm. So I was working here. I'm in Knoxville, Tennessee. So I started developing properties as a construction manager, working for other real estate 
developers here in Knoxville. And then I was approached by my subcon, my trim subcontractor. Uh, he and I both uh, started our companies at about the same time. And he had about eight finished carpenters that were working for him. And he approached me and said, hey, I That's need pretty, some. pretty big shop. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was a, it was a big shop, especially around here in Knoxville. So he said, I don't think I'm so, I'm not, I'm not very good at running the business side of it. Do you think it's silly for me to bring somebody in to run the business? And I said, no, people do that all the time. They're called CFOs or CEOs or COOs or whatever. And, um, and in fact, I told him, I didn't realize he was kind of interviewing me at the time. And I said, yeah, I agree. You suck at running the business. Your, <laughs> your, your invoices are never accurate. Your, your schedules, you're never on schedule. But when your guys do get there, I could leave the job site because yeah. their work was so good. I didn't have to worry about them. And they were always looking out for all of the other little gray areas that I might've missed. So I was there, I was there in total for about four years and, um, and then had, had seen what we had done there. And then one day just kind of had an epiphany and I was always getting questions and, and people calling me, you know, other contractors and other yep. people in the trades that I knew. And they were asking me business questions. And I realized for me, it was what I thought was just general knowledge to me. Hmm. You know, this is, this is how you track the numbers. This is your margins. This is what you have charged. This is how you, you know, you grow a company. And I said, I don't think everybody knows this. Um, yeah. And so I just had this epiphany and I'd heard, I can't remember where I'd heard it, maybe on a podcast, something that what was general knowledge to me was expert knowledge to almost everybody else. So I said, I'm going to put some information out there. And this is kind of the beginning of my content strategy, offer something of extremely high value, give it away for free. And yeah. then some of those people will take that and they'll contact you because they'll want more. Yeah. And or, or they just, they, they like you said before, okay, I believe in that methodology or idea, Sean, that process that you have. Can you just help me do that? Because I, yeah. I, I need help. You know, again, that's what, that's where coach is, right? Uh, yeah. Whether through motivation or correction, I'm going to help you get to where you want to go. That's, that's my job. Yeah. And I just found that, that that worked. I can walk into a shop or I can walk onto a job site and I just know I can see where they're making money, where they're losing money. It's all, it's all that I know. And so my business coaching and my strategies are specifically for construction business owners. And so I speak the same language and know how they think. And I think that that gives me, you know, an advantage. Yeah, um, sure. And, and, and you know, the difference between what I call, you know, big boulders or, or of opportunity and the small pebbles. It's like, okay, yeah, there there's 25 things we could fix here, but I, I can tell right away that these two things are going to have an enormous impact on the business. So let's get to work on those first. And like you said, that may not seem like a superpower to you, but to them, that's amazing because they've worked within their own company for 10 years and never saw those, those opportunities. Let's shift over to, to the marketing end uh, and just talk a little bit first about um, what are your favorite platforms that you like to use to get uh, your content and messages out right now? Yeah, I've, I, so I've built my entire business on on Instagram right now. And I've started to branch out a little bit as I've got more products and, and started to diversify my services. But Instagram was really the platform for me. Again, I go back to because there is there's this huge community now on Instagram and it was pretty big a couple of years ago. I'm not saying that I had anything to do with it. The community was already there. But for me, it was very easy to see on Instagram because I could see construction business owners or, or the owner operator, the, the, the craftsman led business owner, the one that I, you know, the scenario I just come out of, I could see it in their pictures and I could tell that the quality that they were producing was world-class, but because of the amount of detail that they were spending, uh, or the, the amount of detail they were putting into their projects, I had an idea, like, I wondered if they're being able to sell that. Hmm. And so I, it was for me, Instagram was very, it was very easy to identify my ideal type of client. They were interesting. Doing high, yeah, so you, they were. You doing almost started out there as, from a research standpoint, not necessarily. That's exactly what I did when I jumped. No one knew me, and and I didn't have anything to offer anybody. And so what I did when I jumped on Instagram before I started just following a bunch of people, waiting for them to follow me back, and sent me a DM and saying, "Hey, you know, like you get you get that all the time on LinkedIn. I don't know why people on LinkedIn haven't gotten this, but it's just like, hey, you want to connect? And then here's my service. Bam, let's schedule a phone call or whatever. The the way that I started it. Uh, on Instagram is that, like I said, offering something, my business coach taught me to offer something of extremely high value and give it away free. So I did some research and I wrote a book called The Paperwork Punch List. It's a 20 day, 28 day action guide to streamline your construction business. And it, 
just kind of gives you the initial starts of some different systems um, that uh, that can I knew that construction business owners were were uh, were up against. Mm-hmm. And so my strategy on Instagram was saying, hey, I'm doing research for this book. I've already I'd already written the book and had an idea. Uh, but before I published it, I wanted to get some real, you know, I wanted to verify it. Yep. And so I just reached out to people and I engaged with them first and liked their stuff and commented more than just, hey, great work. You know, I really, if I saw something that I liked, I could tell the tools, the techniques, the other things they were using. So I just engaged with them. And then eventually I would send them a message and say, hey, by the way, you kind of know me a little bit. We've been engaging in that kind of stuff. I'm doing a research project for this book that I'm going to be publishing. I'm giving the book away for free. I was wondering, could I get your opinion about the industry? Why you do what you do, the biggest struggles that you have. And if those struggles were solved, what that would do for your business. I would learned very early on that people right out of the gate don't like to be sold something, but they love to talk about themselves. And I don't mean that in a no. in an arrogant way. Yeah. They like to talk about the problems and, and the successes that they've had. So I just started with a research survey and I interviewed hundreds of, of contractors and I just asked them what, what they loved about what they did and what they hated. What were their biggest pain points? And that survey gave me two years worth of content um, because all I did was focus on the things that they said were their pain point. And then it really started to take off. And one question that I asked in that survey is at, at the very end, I said, by the way, thanks for sharing all this information with me. Um, would you like to talk about some free, you know, on a free strategy call? Would you like to talk about some of the pain points? I, I might be able to help you out. And that's where, you know, you just get in and you offer to help people solve their problems. And some of those people will say at the end of that 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes we went on for two hours, um, people say, okay, I, I, how does this work? And once someone asks you, when you haven't really sold them anything, when they say, okay, well, how does, how, how do your services work? Then yeah. the only question is they can either afford it or they can't. That was my strategy for Instagram in the beginning was just get the survey information and then put the information out there saying, I think I've got some things here that can help you out. And luck or happenstance or just being in the right place at the right time, then um, uh, things like uh, the folks at Fine Home Building reached out to me and they said, hey, we'd like you to, you know, to be one of our brand ambassadors. Would you like to do that? That's going to be, you know, speaking at some, uh, you know, some public uh, appearances. And yeah, you've definitely put in the grind, my friend. I mean, um, yeah, everyone yeah. always once someone becomes known in our industry, they're always think it came out of nowhere or, you know, you, you hit that one miracle shot, you know, that half court shot that and now you're on the circuit or you're regularly. But there's always a grind that comes before you reach that level. No doubt. Oh, yeah. It, it, and there's a funny story with like with fine home, but I don't think I've ever you know, told this publicly before. But when I was putting things out and trying to establish myself, I was reaching out to all sorts of magazines. I was I was going on what I called a blog tour. If anybody had a <laughs> blog about the construction industry, I was reaching out to them saying, hey, I can write some 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 information for you or do some blog posts or whatever. And you just get rejected, rejected, rejected. And I was reaching out to uh, trade magazines and that kind of stuff. And I reached out to the folks at Fine Home Building and, and talked to an assistant editor there or whatever. And he said, all right, well, send me a pitch. Pitch me on a couple of your article ideas. So I sent it to him and he said, eh, that doesn't really hit our audience because it was all business. It was all the business side. It, was, yeah. it wasn't the woodworking. It wasn't the craftsmanship. It was the business side of it. And they're like, nah, that doesn't really fit our audience. I'm like, okay. So you just keep going. And then six months later, they they reached out to me and they said, hey, by the way, we'd like, would you be interested in becoming a brand ambassador? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I didn't want to remind them like, yeah, you, <laughs> you rejected you me. Th- you know, you rejected me before, but I, I thought, nah, this isn't really the time or whatever. Um, So I said, yeah, I'd be glad to. And they were like, great, because we're announcing you tomorrow with some other guys as brand ambassadors. So I'm glad <laughs> that you... We already have the graphics produced, so I'm glad that you said yes. And so that kind of, you know, kick-started that. So I'd say for anybody out there that is in that in that grind, man, it man, when people say no, just that doesn't matter. It it, it really doesn't. If you if you're sold out on what you're doing and you know you've got a message um, and you can help people out and there's some value there, then the yeses will come. And even uh, when the yeses and, come, was my point really is it's still a grind. It's definitely yeah. It's not that there is not fun moments, right? When you get on the stage and you're actually helping people, that's all fantastic. But the travel and the, I mean, I don't care how many Instagram influencers want to show pictures of, you know, I got first class on Southwest or whatever. It's like, no, that part all sucks. Uh, yeah. You know, hanging out in the yeah. hallway or in the green room yeah. for an hour, waiting for your turn to get on stage. That's, you know, all that oh, stuff yeah. is still a grind. Um, even after you start getting yeses, it's still, it's still work to, to push out that content. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of that grind comes in. And I think that, that, uh, that you experienced this, I think you, you were after me in the same room, right at PCBC. Uh-huh. And didn't your didn't your slides totally crap out on you? Oh no, that was that was Mr. Duderstat. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Well, yeah. yeah. So- 
that's where the grind comes in when people say, oh, man, you're so good at what you do. And I'm like, oh, you didn't see my last performance <laughs> then, or you didn't see. And, and I was just I was just in Baltimore at the remodeling show and doing a presentation there. And I, man, I get fired up and I get into it. And I launched my clicker across the room and I don't know what it did, but it froze up everything. And I was just like, oh, this is the grind. How do we get we I got to I got to I got 10 more minutes here and I got to finish it without my slide. So that's right. Um, yeah. Like you said, even when you get the yeses, it's just you, you only can perform and do those things because the yeses are just the icing on the cake. You're not going to do anything differently. I still get up at 430. Yep. still, you know, doing the research, writing, con- writing so much content that people will never see because it's crap. But out of that, some good ideas come. And um, and by the time you, you know, you end up on stage presenting to somebody, it's it's just because that's just what you've been doing. Yep. You know, it, like you said, it's just not, hey, will you come and speak? Yeah, I'll speak. This is the first time I've ever done it. And it's like, no, you're, you know, I'm, I'm in my office here in front of the camera practicing stuff looking like a complete moron most days, hoping that it gets polished by the time I end up in front of a couple hundred people. For sure. Jumping back to Instagram, how often do you post on there? And would you have a certain process? I know at least for me writing blog posts, sometimes I'm like, man, this is taking forever. And then I'll just get in a groove and like, well, that took like half an hour. But the days before that, I'm like, man, I just need to knock this thing out. And then same for Instagram. Do you find that there's some times where you're like, I am not feeling it today to post anything? Oh, yeah. I, I I have gone back and forth with the whole, you know, schedule of posting and and what I've what I've found is I, I have somewhat of a regular posting schedule uh, meaning that when I write for fine home buildings you know typically every two weeks so that gets posted mm-hmm. um, to my Instagram but even as busy as I've been with traveling I've still been writing um, content for fine home building I just haven't been able to produce the content to put it on on Instagram um, and so but I felt kind of guilty it's like oh man I didn't even do anything this week and some people are like oh you need to post every you know stuff every day and mm-hmm. I can understand that if you're out on the job site you know you've got some pretty interesting stuff but mm-hmm. Most days I'm just grinding away here in the office. And I'm like, I could post a picture of my keyboard, um, but I don't, I don't know what is that going to, is that going to help anybody? Yeah. And so I've just figured out that I post when I feel like it's valuable or in when it's fun. And I haven't figured out the formula because I'll post something that was kind of fun and people will react to that and share that and comment on that more than the thing I spent 10 oh, hours trying to, trying to develop. Exactly and, right. Like, Every time so, you make something that you think is the best piece of content you've made recently. No one reacts or very, very few people. And then, you know, you post a picture of yourself uh, picking up milk and, and bread at the way home from from the airport and everyone comments and reacts. And you're like, yeah. What am I and doing? so I've, I've learned that, you know, part of it's testing and part of it is just, you know, is, OK, well, what's worked in the past? And, you know, that's good. You know, pr- you know, get more stuff of that out there because it seems to be helpful. But the other thing, too, you got to remember is like some of this content is kind of old to me. I've been working on it for a couple of years, but I got new followers now. They've probably never seen it, you know, and so. So it's that balance between, true. you know, the evergreen stumps, the evergreen stuff. How often do I repost some of that stuff? Um, but for me, something like when I've really got an idea of just kind of the craziness that is social media is one morning, like I had this really crazy morning routine. I get up early, I take a cold shower, I drink <laughs> mineral infused water, I do bulletproof coffee, Bio-hacking. I meditate, a journal. Yeah, yeah all <laughs> of that. Because I'm getting old now. And like, you know, when you pull a muscle just getting out of bed, you realize, man, I need to live differently. I got to do something different. So I developed this morning routine, not because I came up with it, it's just because I heard a bunch of other really successful people doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of made my own thing. And one morning I just posted it step by step, all of these really weird things that I do and didn't even think about it. And that thing blew up. Like so many people were questioning. I'm like, you understand that I can help you make hundreds of thousands of dollars in your construction business. I really don't know what mineral infused water does for me, but it makes me feel better. Well, but that's but what you want to ask me about. Everyone wakes up every day or else they, that's or right. else they die. So it's completely relatable, right? Everyone has, yeah, has that all. same routine of some type. Yeah, we all wake up. Yeah. How about Instagram stories? Fan, not a fan? What are your thoughts? Oh, oh yeah, I love. He's a fan. Oh, I love. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I love Instagram stories. But again, sometimes it's just like, I want to, I, I, I try not to do the, uh, Hey, here's what I'm having for lunch. And I'm going out to the mailbox and cause my life in general is not all that exciting. Um, but I do feel like it's important as I say, you don't want to, my, my goal is to change the way the world views trade. So I want most of my content be in and around that subject matter. That's mm-hmm. what I want to be known for. And that's what I want to help. With. But if that's all I ever do, then people won't know the why behind I do that. Like yeah. the fact that I've, that I've got five kids, um, 
um, that plays into my story and why I'm in my office, you know, 12 hours a day and doing the things that I do. They need to understand that, like, there are five raging human beings right outside my door. <laughs> and that's part of who I am. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, part of my part of my story that I didn't share before was that my my wife was diagnosed with the disease about 10 years ago. And that really kind of had a profound effect on just how we looked at, at life in general. And that was one of my main motivations for uh, uh, for quitting my job. I just walked away from uh, I was the COO of that company. And um, and when I started this business, I thought, well, that's kind of an important part of who I am and why I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to flate what I call flavor my stories with a little bit of the personal stuff. So people knew that this wasn't a guy just selling consulting services or online programs or whatever, that I'm just a guy like everybody else that had the crazy idea to start a business trying to provide value. And here's part of the reason I here's a little window into why I'm doing it. So if you think, and I understand, you know, you kind of come across a lot of stuff online and people just constantly selling stuff. I want people to know that if they come across my stuff and they think that they need to buy services from me or consulting or, you know, one of my coaching programs, that if they dig a little deeper, that there's just a regular guy that has a ridiculously large family that's just trying to, you know, trying to make a living for his family. And part of our story, I think, is is fairly unique and I hope that it inspires other people. And so that's why I like stories is because it's so easy to flavor my content with, you know, I think the personal side. And that makes it a lot easier because my, my coaching services are very personal. I spend a lot of personal time with my client. And so it's just uh, it's helpful for them to know that uh, I'm I'm in there, you know, I'm in it in there with them. I understand their struggles and I got a family, too. And we're all just trying to make a living. Yeah, the transparency and approachability is huge. I, I'm going to butcher this and I don't I don't know where I where I heard it recently again. But it's great is that, you know, the the depth of your relationships is directly proportional to how transparent you are about your flaws. Right? And so you can't have a close connection with your clients or with people who are just out in the crowd unless you're willing to be vulnerable and not pretend that you're perfect. And that's why I uh, kind of one of my regular themes is just to rail against people who just want to talk about, you know, it's another successful morning. Look at my perfect backyard and, and yeah. everything. It's just like, nope, man, it, it, it's work. And, and if you're mm -hmm. scared to show that work is good, which is part of what you're doing at, with, with the trade is, hey, you know, you can skip college. You can go straight into doing this. And yeah, you're going to get sawdust on your hands, but you're going to feel good about what you did that day. You're going to have money in your bank account versus debt. You're going to have all these other. So I just think that transparency and relatability is huge. And I, I don't know if if you're doing this intentionally or, or not, but I know that what I've started using Instagram stories for is a lot of when I don't want to overwhelm the feed. If it's not evergreen yeah. or it's not something truly valuable, then that's when I'll throw a story up because, you know, people who want, you know, if, if I'm going to go on a trip and I'm going to, I know I'm going to take 15, 20 images and want to share them. You know, if you don't want to go look there, it's not interrupting you. But for those who want to see what's going on, they can, you know, on their own kind of opt into that higher volume of content. Yeah, I, I use I use Instagram stories um, as my laboratory. It's quick, it's easy, it throws some ideas out. And they've, you know, they've really, um, with the questions and some of the other the other features on Instagram stories that you can do now. Um, so like I, I posted a um, question the other day, said, hey, let's talk about your sales process. What questions do you get from clients that you don't know how to answer? And I probably got 20 or 30 responses. And I just reposted those questions mm -hmm. with my answers. And that told me that there are people that are still really struggling, even though I've been talking about and have a program on how you can increase your sales, how to have a process that you can get paid for what I call paid for planning up front. But there are people that still have these questions and it was just really, really engaging. So I use my Instagram stories to flavor kind of who I am, but also as a as a test lab for subject matters that I want to develop some more polished um, or deeper content on. And then my feed is kind of a, a maybe a curation or a cultivation of, right. you know, of a lot of those stuff. Yep. And then every once in a while, it's just like, crap, I haven't posted anything. I'm going to take a picture of, you know, this uh, presentation that I'm working on and to make sure that people still remember that I'm, you know, that I'm out here. But the other, the other important thing, you know, and this gets into the marketing that I, that I think that where a lot of construction business owners or at least are missing it on Instagram is I want to make sure that no matter when you come across my information, that there's always a call to action. Every now and then I'll do a post or a feed and there won't be really any hashtags mm -hmm. or there won't be a call to action. Mm -hmm. And I think that's to kind of give people a break, you know, um, but most of the content, if you scroll through there down at the bottom, it said, hey, are you interested in more? Go to my website, sign up for this program, download my book. I've got another book that's coming out, hopefully fingers crossed next month. So I'm starting to build awesome. up because I want a year from now when someone comes across some of my, you know, my library of stuff, I want to make sure that they have an option to buy something from me or engage with me or get on my email list yeah. or that, you know, in like what Seth Godin talks about permission marketing. I want people to give me permission if I forget to include that.
that in a post that I posted last year, that could be really engaging with people, but they don't know what to do. You got to tell people what to do. And I think that if more construction business owners uh, included that in their posts, mm-hmm. instead of just, you know, not that they're posting just for likes and, and everybody has their own reason being on Instagram, but I think that uh, that if you, you know, put a call to action, especially it's hard with Instagram, you get one, right. you get one link, you get one link in your bio, mm-hmm. unless you get 10,000 followers and you can get the swipe up, which I'm still pushing for. I'm getting close, but <laughs> we'll try to um, help you. Super close. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, but uh, so I've like, I've got my, my Instagram set up where I've got a page on my website and I constantly update page mm. with the most frequent stuff. So when I say click the link in my bio, even if it's a year old, that's a great you idea. You can go to that page and you, you might have to scroll a down idea. a little bit. It's mm-hmm. not totally, but I just thought, man, that's my only chance. I'm not going to send them to my homepage. I'm going to send them to the page and I call it seanvandyke.com slash now. You go to that page and says, these are the projects I'm working on now. New book, speaking appearance, download my other book, sign up for free sales of this other thing. Here's a program. Here's my latest article on fine home building or whatever. And um, I, and I've found that to be a pretty successful strategy. Now, once I get the swipe up, oh man, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> to get crazy. I'm going to wear that thing out. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay. Let's shift over to this little segment that I'm calling the excuse that marketers make. And that's uh, that's what they all sound like. Uh, let's just rattle down kind of these excuses that we hear all the time. And I have, you know, we have our own answers that I'm sure most of the audience has heard mm-hmm. us say before. But I want to hear your take on these things. Well, you know, the first one was, you know, I'm just not that interesting. My, my home building company is kind of you know, typical. We don't do anything amazing or unique in our homes or our communities. It's just it's another home. And, you know, there's just not that much to talk about. What would you say to those those people? Yeah. And, I'm, and I, I might say that, yeah, maybe you might not be as interesting as you think you are compared to other builders, but I don't really care about other builders. I care care about customers. And my guess is you are extremely interesting to your customers because compared to, you know, if you're a, if you're a small remodeling company that maybe does some new homes and you're comparing yourself to a big custom home builder um, that has a lot of money and a big bat to swing on social media. Yeah. You might not look that interesting, but I don't care. They're not going to hire you. The, the, uh, the couple, that has the kids that are off to college and they've been saving for this remodeling project. And they're going to drop $100,000. Your little remodeling company that has a very personal touch where the owner is going to be on site and maybe on the tools. And that's extremely interesting Absolutely. To, that, to that client. So when you say, eh, I'm not that interesting, you gotta, you're got you not interesting compared to what? My guess is you're extremely interesting to your ideal clients or your customers. And you got to just really, instead of focusing on you and you guys get this from your, you know, just being marketing is that don't focus on yourself, focus on your customer and, and and talk less about yourself and the problems that you solve for your customers. That's extremely interesting to them. Yeah, sometimes you just got to get interested yourself too. I mean, a lot of marketers, you know, they say, well, I wouldn't necessarily want to buy from my own home building company that I work for because maybe you are more vanilla, but that you got to force yourself to get interested in the details because those are where you figure out the stories that you can tell. Like you said, your, that expertise of narrowing down to who does your trim carpet I mean, I just had a quick uh, call with with Tim Rethlake, who's the vice president of sales enablement at Hearth and Home Technologies. But all all he he lives and breathes fireplaces. That's his entire yeah. life. And we could have talked for probably four hours about how passionate he feels about every piece of how his his company does business and the products they make and why they make them. And um, so sometimes you just got to force yourself to become interested either in your company or like you said, your your customers, and then just piggyback on what they find most interesting and, and double down on that. Okay. Okay, how about this one? Um, the excuse of I'm not a filmmaker, or, I'm not a professional photographer, or I, you know, the actual skill of creating the content. What would you say to those folks who want to use that as an excuse? I would say that that's probably an advantage right now. I think that there's been studies that have been done that shows, um, you know, really highly produced content. That just the way that we see so much content, especially in video now, that I think there's been some studies that have shown that if it looks a little less polished, it's more engaging. And you guys could correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's exactly why you should be because it's more authentic. You know, the, the handheld shaky cell phone video is very authentic because people, in, you know, you've got what, two seconds, three seconds to engage with somebody. And when there's not some Adobe After Effects <laughs> graphics coming across mm-hmm. in the first three seconds and all of that, and it's just a, you know, a guy or a gal walking around a job site, people just know, hey, this is real. I'm not being sold something mm-hmm. or I'm not, this isn't, this isn't polished. So I don't think that that's a valid excuse anymore. I, um, I completely I agree with you. And we see it 
even just something as simple as emails, uh, responding back to people. You know, uh, it cracks me up when a marketing team has crafted this nurturing email program where it talks in headers and paragraphs for, you know, 3000 characters. And you look at that mm. and you're just like that. Immediately, I'm going to hit the delete button because I know no human being talks like that. We don't talk like a brochure. Yeah. And then when Mike, myself or Jen, we craft an email for somebody and it's three sentences, they're like, really? That's it? Well, do you want people to respond back to you and ask you another question or engage with you? Yeah, that three sentences is plenty. That's all you need. And I think for sure it translates. You know, the only part that, um, and this is again, my marketer bias is when it comes to a finished model, then sometimes if, if you don't have the skill at all, you may need to find someone who can help you present it in the best possible light. But there's a difference between the behind the scenes kind of real transparent social media version of that content and the highly produced or professional imagery that you're going to put on your website to, to live for all time or in, in your gallery of featured projects, right? There, there might be a difference there, but there's this other thing called YouTube where oh. you can teach yourself all those skills that you feel like you don't have to. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, sure. yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, that's what the, the stories are just off the cuff on the fly and all of that, you know, and that's, you know, filmmaking, I guess, or whatever and telling, telling a story. But then you go to my, that's to get people to engage and to respond and go deeper. And then when you, if you go to my website or you go to some of the things on LinkedIn or whatever, then you'll see the polished videos where I'm, I've been working really hard this year on focusing on um, becoming uh, a speaker. And so you'll speak, you'll see a couple of polished, professionally produced videos that showcase me as a speaker, because when, you know, when, when you go through my funnel, Hey, I'm engaging with this guy. I think this guy's a construction industry speaker and somebody that sits on a board or, or makes the decisions for these things. They're going to engage with me on Instagram, follow me there, go to my website and say, okay, we think we might want to hire this guy, but what has he got? Oh, there's, there's what he's got, you know? And so you, I think you need both, but in general, with the, the excuse that you were talking about, I'm not a filmmaker. That's good right now. Yep. I think that use that for engagement. And then that buys you some time So you, you probably need some professionally, you know, uh, produced stuff. But before you even go there, like you're saying, Hey, with YouTube, I have found the key to set yourself apart, even before you run out and buy a drone and, uh, you know, and all of these other kind of things that everybody has a drone these days. I still don't have a drone. I don't know what I would. Oh, do that's okay. I, I, I tell everyone drone videos are like the pumpkin spice latte of video. Yeah. You, know, you want just a little <laughs> bit right. in the fall, but if, if it was pumpkin spice latte all the time, it, it, there's no value that's, there either. So yeah, good. that's right. But you can go a real, and this is what I found a really long way with, I think I spent 200, maybe 300 bucks on lighting and a microphone. Uh -huh. So good audio and well lit. And it doesn't even have to be professional. Lit. I've got a couple of umbrella lights in here and I make sure that it's, you know, my, it's on my face and the background is kind of dark. So I stand out and I've got a, you know, I've got a lapel mic and then another shotgun mic and set it up on my tripod and I'm, you know, audio and lighting can help when you get in that, in that uh, sort of um, studio type environment. When I say studio, I mean, just yeah. my office, right. you know, <laughs> right. for sure. So it doesn't have to be all that. It doesn't, it doesn't take a lot of time and it doesn't take a lot of money and, and audio and video go a really long yep. way. How about, or sorry, audio and lighting go a really oh, long way. Definitely, definitely. And here's another one. This one's my favorite as I'm a one person department, so I don't have time. Ooh, I think we all have time, right? Yeah. I mean, you have time for what, you know, what you consider to be important. And that's where I see a lot of construction business owners. They're spending a lot of time on social media. Right. They're just not, they're just not leveraging it. All, all on political right? posts and, and uh, yeah. other things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, the, so here's the, here's the slight difference. And, and a lot of, I've heard a lot of uh, construction business owners say, oh, I get a ton of work, my social media, my Instagram, my Facebook, whatever. And I'm saying, but how much more could you get if your story was a little bit different? And what I mean by that is a lot of business owner, construction business owners will at the end of the project or maybe even during the project, but they take pictures of the process, which is good. And they take, pro they take pictures of the final project. But let's say that, you know, you've got a, a kitchen remodel project that you've been working on three or four months and it's beautiful and it's, you know, it's immaculate and everything's perfect. And then you go in to take the final picture and what's missing? It's the client. Yeah. Like, oh, yep. you know, the story there is, yeah, we've got beautiful work, but so does everybody else. And I think the way that people consume content now, they're just scrolling by that. Yep. Another pretty kitchen, another nice deck, another, but people will stop in their tracks. If you feature your clients, the older couple that's, you know, mid fifties and they're in the kitchen having a glass of wine and their friends are around, it tells a different story. Like, you no, know, Hey, this is who our ideal clients are. And my guess is other 55 year old couples with kids out that like to entertain and want to redo their kitchen. They're going to stop in their tracks at that picture. Yeah. And your your work becomes the backdrop of the story. But like you talked about before, the heroes, the heroes are your client. And so people say, oh, I get a ton of work from my social media feed. And I'm like, I think you could get more. Oh, yeah. I, could get, I think you could be more effective if you if you 
you've started featuring, featuring your your clients or telling a little bit different story. Another effective way that I've seen a lot of uh, construction owners uh, use social media is, hey, when I hire you to come into my house or to build a house for me, um, I want to know who are the people that are going to be in my house. And so I've seen some uh, and some of my clients have been doing this because I've told them to do this, but start taking pictures of your employees mm. and tell their story. You know, who is James and how long has he been working with you and what's his background and what does he do on you know day one? And you guys have probably experienced this too, being on social media, you'll walk into a room and people walk up to you and be like, hey, Kevin, hey, Andrew, how are you? And you're like, I don't even know you, but they they know you because they followed you. And they'll be like, how was your vacation last week? And, you know, is your is your kid still have the flu or that, you know, and that that's a lot of fun. So the same thing can happen with your with your clients and introduce your employees and the people that are going to be in their lives for three or four months. And day one, they kind of know who they are. So I think that's another really effective way, to, you know, to do it. And again, you can do that as a one person, you know, department and anyone that says, well, I don't have time. Yes, you do. We all make time for what's important. We just get trapped doing all of the urgent stuff. And for, for a new home marketer that working for a builder, it's a great combination of you need an excuse often to get out of the black hole called the office anyway and get out in the field to interact with the sales team and construction team and look at, you know, how new land projects are progressing. So you need an excuse to get out. And then once you're out, you've got, you know, this amazing device in your pocket that yes, it makes phone calls and can text, but also, you know, has a red button on it that, that you can record stuff mm-hmm. in amazing quality whenever you want. Two, two things I want to circle back though, Sean, that you mentioned is, you know, the experience and the trust, the instant trust and, and connection that you can make by talking about the experience end of things uh, on an individual level of the individual team members and the collective and shared experience they have, I think is incredibly huge for, for home builders to be thinking about. The other is cutting through the clutter of everything on social media. You know, I think there's, there's two ways to do that, either through incredible context, uh, meaning that the content you're creating speaks directly to this very narrow audience, like you're describing with the 55 year old uh, couple or drama. And I think that's the other thing that people in our industry are really scared about is ever admitting that you don't do perfect work all the time. And I remember a gentleman named John Sherman, who we'll have on uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, came and talked at our uh, summit event one year and really just talked about, you know, if you have a video of any length, you know, longer than 30 seconds, there has to be some conflict in that story or it's not, it's never going to be interesting. And it doesn't mean right. that, oh my gosh, the stairs fell down in the house and we, we got to rebuild them. It doesn't have to be, you know, NBC uh, primetime television drama of someone's going to die or something terrible, extremely terrible just happened. But there has to be some conflict of how are we going to make that trim come together and look like it matches? Okay. Hadn't thought about that. How do we problem solve it? You know, I think, do you find that, that in the trade area that people are really scared to ever put anything other than, you know, their finished, uh, completed work out for everyone to see? And is there benefit in doing that, do you think? Oh, yes, absolutely. And here's the thing you were talking about drama. No owner, no homeowner or anybody that ever has built a house has ever in the history of contracting ever called up a contractor and given them a budget that's too high. (laughs) Meaning they think that this is going to cost 100 grand. Guess what? It costs 200 grand. We think we want to spend $4 million on the house. Well, guess what? What you want is $6 million. There's your drama right there, right? That's never happened. Meaning people just don't, uh, the average homeowner yeah, they have no clue. just doesn't know what. No clue. So, so you, and that's what I tell my clients too, is don't wait until the end of the project to market it. Don't market the finished project, market the process as well. So when someone decides to hire you and, and they pay you to help them with the pre-construction stuff and walk through all of the budgeting and planning, and they sign an agreement with you just at the preliminary phase, ask them, Hey, what, what is it about this so far that made you trust us and pull out your phone and record them saying that or ask them, do you, can I quote you on that? And, and there's your, there's so much drama in a construction project yeah. every day that you don't have to manufacture. No, you don't. Just, just record. <laughs> just, you might have to, you know, cultivate it a little bit and edit it a, a little bit out, but there's so much that happens. But so many times, even if you do a perfect job at the end of the project, the homeowners, well, they're just sick and tired of having people in their house. So when you wait until the end to give a testimonial, they're going to say, yeah, you guys were great. And we finished on time and on budget and it looks really awesome. Great. That's what everybody says. But I even encourage people that say, you know, maybe they realize that they they talk with a homeowner and the homeowner doesn't quite have the budget and the homeowner says, and you educate them on what the budget really needs to be. And they decide not to hire you because, but they appreciate the education that you've given them. They just realize they need to go back and revamp and think or even save yep. up for it. Get a, get a testimonial from people that didn't even hire you that will say, you know what, when we get the budget, we're going to, we're going to hire you. We do trust you and we appreciate the education that you get because the education part 
the very beginning part of the process is what could help establish that trust in the beginning. Absolutely. And that's, you know, we've had some builders uh, on our coaching calls really want to talk more about Instagram influencers and who should I reach out to? And I, I always want to push back. It's not that that's a, always a hard no, but why aren't you the influencer? To your point, it doesn't have to be just focused on the people who are going to buy from you. Become the influencer around home design and construction and whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And don't worry about, well, every one of those people aren't going to be able to buy from me. So I'm wasting my time. No, you still can influence the marketplace by staying focused on that. Okay. One last excuse uh, that I want to get your opinion on is people who say, well, I don't have hair like Sean Van Dyke. So I can't get in front <laughs> well, of the camera because the only I'm excuse. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is a legitimate excuse. So yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Do you think you need to be in front of the camera? One. Uh, and, and two, uh, do you have to do you have to look like Sean? <laughs> uh, no, you don't have to look like Sean. Um, and it's funny when I got on Instagram, started doing this stuff. That was the beginning. The comments about my hair. That's just one of those things I never would have imagined. It's um, all jealousy. I'm not very it's tall. all jealousy, Sean. Yeah. Uh, oh, I know. I'm hey, I'm 44 years old and I still have a head of hair. So I am, you know, back in the you know, back in the day when I was in high school, I wish I had known. Right. Because I could, <laughs> could have told those girls in high school, hey, I understand that you don't want to go to the prom with me. Um, but when I'm in my mid forties, I'm still going to have hair and the guy, you, the captain of the foot, the captain of the football team will not. So just, you know, you need to think long and hard about yeah. that, but no, yeah, you can, you got to turn the camera around on yourself. And, um, and if you're not comfortable doing, we all do multiple takes and all of that. Everything online is, is pretty well, can be pretty well edited, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I do multiple takes and I'm like, man, I sound like an idiot on that one and do, you know, something, you know, so simple trying to, you know, trying to get it out. But, um, I, I think what what matters more is just having your having your vision and talking about your mission and your vision and what you want to accomplish, what you hope for your clients. Um, and it doesn't matter, you know, what you look like or whatever that's going to come across. And I, I was thinking about, you know, I was thinking about this when when you said it, too, because I was just traveling in the air, you know, was in, in airports and it would be a bunch of airports over the next several weeks. And I always like to shoot stories and I can always imagine like I look so strange walking through the airport, <laughs> shooting a story. And I, and I just, uh, I can see people looking at me because another just fun thing I like to do, I like to wear my sunglasses in indoors yeah. and on airplanes all the time just to watch people's reactions. Like, who does that guy think yep. he is? He's wearing his sunglasses. They don't realize that, they don't that realize, today. Like, I, I can yeah, see you. Yeah, you can still see perfectly yeah, great. I can, but, but the thing is, if you, that's what people think about. Like, I look silly doing this and I absolutely do walking through the airport. But you got to, you got to imagine yourself through the lens of the camera. Like that person is just seeing what you're showing mm-hmm. them. So they don't see all of the other awkwardness of the people looking around you they're just listening and listening and 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 watching what you what you're you know producing so i don't know if that helps yeah people are always going to stare if you can just get over that and kind of have fun with it then uh then i think that authenticity comes across but ultimately you got to be providing some good information and having fun with it i certainly don't it's not business 100 percent of the time on instagram stories or whatever um i like to have a little bit of fun with it but um yeah turn that turn that camera around on yourself and i understand like i think there's studies that have shown people are more fearful of public speaking than they are of yes. death. So it, it's a real thing. It's a real challenge Crazy. for a lot of people. And that's why I say, if you can't do that, then show your clients um, and show your employees or or talk about the problem that you solve um, and, and people will engage with that. And I understand that's a, is, that's a really nice way of saying it, Sean. We just tell people that if you don't like the way you look, the problem is that's the way you look. So get over it. You know? Yeah, um, yeah <laughs> that's true. So but true. I, think, I think the key with turning the camera on yourself is it, inf- it automatically creates the drama because human beings are what create drama in our lives most of the time, right? Might might be through, a, through yeah. an experience created by a human being you never even meet, but the drama is from some other human. And Mike and I used to joke about this when we first started doing Facebook Live, you know, two and uh, maybe two and a half years ago. Was pretty sure like twenty percent of the audience is just tuning in uh, to see if maybe one of us passes out or something breaks. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's it's kind of that NASCAR effect of any moment there could be a car wreck. Right? Yeah. We just want to see see what's going on. Yeah. I hope this guy derails <laughs> every now and then. You know, uh, I told oh, I told my wife that we should just start a channel instead of just, you know, posting pictures of how awesome our family is, you know, which is about 0.1% of the time is let's just film all of the fights Ooh, that we have. Do it. And that would blow up because it's Absolutely. real. You know, it, it's real. But she, uh, <laughs> oh, man. she won't let me do that. So. 
So to uh, to wrap up, do you think there are any legitimate excuses to not be creating content on a regular basis? Yeah, I think that there there are probably some legitimate excuses as it relates to the the work that you're trying to show. And what I mean by that is sometimes, and and I'm coming from this just from uh, working in you know in in people's homes and dealing with you know maybe high end clients or whatever. You really need to be careful that not everything is um, should be consumed publicly. Like if you don't get permission from your clients to show the inside of their house, then you you and if that's what you if, if that's what you do, then you need to not show your process as much. You just don't get an opportunity mm-hmm. to. You, you yeah. understand what I'm no, saying? That's I a see great some point. guys and and they're like, we're on high street here, leaving this brownstone, and it's at the end of the day, and we're locking up, and we're going to be back. <laughs> and I'm like, I know exactly where that building is. I know that it's full of tools. I know that the walls are opened up, and I know exactly how to get in through the construction entrance because I watch this dude do it every yep. day. So if I'm if I have you know ill intentions, then that's some content that probably doesn't need to be out you know be out there. Um, that's a good. And point. so I, I don't I don't hear I don't hear anybody talking about. And believe me, we I've had that happen before. A company I was working at, we we posted some pictures, and in the background it showed some artwork and some fine pieces of furniture. And that owner called us up, and it was not pretty. And we were at fault too, like we didn't get permission. Yep. So in that sense, that that would be an excuse of why you need to be careful about what you post. Um, but outside of outside of that, I would say, you know, there's, this is where, this is how people are buying things. They don't, you know, they, my kids, they don't watch TV. They watch YouTube um, yep. and, and, and Netflix mm-hmm. and all. So, so you got to have a presence online. That doesn't mean you got to be doing stories, you know, 12 hours a day or whatever. But my kids, when they buy services from companies, it's all going to be online. So you got to be found and you got to talk to them and, and, and sell them on whatever their problems are that they're looking to solve. And that's another thing I teach my clients is like, don't, people don't, they don't want to, they don't want to solve their problems. They want to buy their way out yes, of them. So exactly. offer them, offer them a way to buy their way out of that problem through you. And I think right now, I mean, video is, you guys know, I mean, video is where it's at. So, um, and that's where everything is, that's where everything is going to. Yep. So a website is, a website is great, but that's where I, I've kind of said, I think websites are dead. Um, meaning you need a landing page, you need to collect those email addresses and you need to build that uh, so that you, because Instagram's going to change, Facebook's going to change, um, LinkedIn's going to change and, but nobody can take that email list away from right. it. Um, and so when you've got, you've built your own platform there, then you can send them to whatever. I mean, I don't know what's going to be after YouTube, some hologram <laughs> channel or something, who knows? But as soon as that new platform comes up and I've got some content there, I want to send an email to everybody on my list and say, Hey, this is where we're at. This is where you can go engage. Yep. And I think that a lot of contractors anyway, and maybe you in your experience, a lot of other businesses too are missing out on that, that like building your own platform and, you know, through an email list and other things. That's essential. Um, you have to very, have something that important. you own and you control. Mm-hmm. And and the other thing that I think is essential is these same skills that you're learning from a try to draw people in to become a customer. Those should be actually, I'm challenging now the audience of marketers listening is you should be translating those same skills into how you communicate and share information with people who are currently your customers who haven't closed on their home yet or have closed recently because that's the other thing that is eating up a lot of time and ultimately hurting a lot of home building brands is a lack of clear communication and and updates and and just keeping people in the loop and it's all the same it's the same red button that that solves both your new customer problem and your current customer problem if you approach it the right way yeah i've always said that if you've got problems with your client um after a project has started it's because you skipped something in the sales process Mm -hmm. which means if and then if we have a sales process then we are explaining to them how we're going to accomplish what they're going to accomplish. Meaning, hey, we're going to we're going to help you develop budget. You're going to pay us to do that. And then once we execute the contract, if any changes come up, here's how we do that. And we're going to we're going to go through all of that before we execute the contract. So, oh, um, you know, something came up. Well, you already know you've already been informed. Um, and and I would I would produce a piece of content about every step in my process, whether I share that publicly right. um, or not is a decision for the yep. company. But if I sign up, you know, a new a new customer as a home builder and send them an email. Oh, no, 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 Sean. No, no, no. You just need to have an uh, easy five-step process on your website (laughs) of, you know, we build your home in five steps and it's going to be a piece of cake. That's right. That's right. I'm sorry. I'm wrong. (laughs) 
You're right. Awesome. You're right. Hey, Sean, we are out of time, but thanks so much for joining us. It was it was a pleasure having you. It was, good. guys. Thank you. And uh, any any time, would love to come back and, and talk shop. Let's help them out. How many uh, how many more Instagram followers we need to get to the ten thousand? I think about about seven hundred or. Oh, we can do that, guys. Yeah, come on. I know, but yeah. So yeah, we're oh yeah, we're at ninety two seventy eight as of this night. Nice. Okay, everyone, go go follow him on Instagram because I'm telling you, his Instagram story content alone should be enough. To, to keep you busy at generating new ideas of how you can apply it to your business. Thanks again, Sean. Oh man, pressure's on now and I got to have good hair days from here on <laughs> it's out. It's every day, trust every me. Day. Trust me. It's every day, that's right. All right. All right, let's wrap up this week's episode with answers to last week's question of the week, which was, how would you describe your new community launches? Tying into the new pre-sale without fail book and a whopping 60% of those of you who filled out the survey said you would define or describe your new community launches as organized chaos, <laughs> which um, at least there's some organization in the chaos there, I guess, is the bright spot. Um, another 30% of you said, if I don't laugh, I'll simply cry. Um, and then the final 30% answered hit or miss completely unpredictable. And that definitely can be a struggle of sometimes community launches do well and sometimes they do not do as well. You just have to go back and forth between analyzing, was it the community and the positioning and the product of the price? Or was it the fact that we missed something in the process? You do need to check both of those whenever you feel like you're in that hit or miss situation. Uh, 0% uh, wanted to curse, which is nice. And unfortunately, nobody said, you know, we've got this down 100% locked and loaded. All right, that'll do it this week. Thanks again for joining us. Sorry, it was a little bit of a crazy episode. People coming and going. The full DYC family will be back next week. We'll see you then. Mm-hmm.